Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL jibber-jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Remember to follow on Twitter, Insta, and watch video shows each week on YouTube. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hi, Rob. Well, we're on our summertime schedule, as JB called it. I like that. So these are the short but sweet, useful and informative um compact bijou podcasts that get us through these quiet phases of the off-season and keep all of those wonderful NFL fans up to date with all of the really big news. And I say really big news because this is ultimately going to be a recap for us with free agency still tumbling along and a couple of big names still on the table who will no doubt find a home somewhere. We're basically going to draw a line in the sand before we shift our focus to the upcoming draft and talk about who are the winners and losers in your opinion, really through this first, and let's be honest, the meaty and most exciting phase of NFL free agency. So there's a couple of obvious ones that'll take us to the big news stories of the last few weeks. There's a couple where, you know, I expect a bit of debate and potential disagreement, but with no Aldrin, with just myself, JB and PB, a kind of triangular formation that we've gone for this week, we need somebody else to go first. So as so much of the big news of the last couple of weeks surrounds action in the Bay, PB, why don't you kick us off with one of the definite winners overall, but what's going on with Tampa Bay and how do you feel about the changes at the top? Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like we were going to be winners very early in the offseason with Brady's retirement and, you know, the, the look that we were going to lose a number of key free agents. They thought we wouldn't be able to keep Godwin and wouldn't be able to keep Davis as well. You know, if, if we franchise tag Godwin, which we did, uh, it looked like Jensen was going to go to the Bengals. That was the, the good rumour. And, you know, it, it, it looked like Fournette was going to go, you know, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, whatever you want to call him. And it all felt a little bit like, oh, we've had a couple of good years and now we're going to go back to you know, maybe struggling over the next couple of years. And then it, it takes, you know, one social media post from Tom Brady and the world looks a lot rosier again. So Brady, obviously unretired, 42 days or whatever it was at home um, was enough for him. Still got the fire there, you know, going to going to watch Manchester United and seeing Ronaldo score a couple of goals against Spurs, obviously uh, relit his fire. So, um, yeah, it's it all looks a bit rosier, you know, within, I think within hours of, of that being announced it was announced that Jensen was actually going to stay at, at the Bucks um, we lost Kappa you know who's who's been a, a mainstay of our offensive line over the last few years um, you know and Brady tried to keep him as well but you know ultimately he he, he went for more money and, and another opportunity in Cincinnati so that's a shame but you know, we tagged Godwin, then managed to get him signed to a three-year deal we signed Davis, we've signed um, Lenny again, Leonard Fournette so and we've got other key pieces back as well. You know, Marpet retired, which is a massive loss, you know, a big hole for, for us there at left guard next to Donovan Smith. But we've signed Shaq Mason from the Patriots. We traded for him, which is obviously another familiar face that Brady knows. Um, we lost Jordan Whitehead, which is again, another big blow to our defense, but we've replaced him with Logan Ryan, who's, 
who's played with Brady at, at the Patriots. So it kind of feels like we're getting that, you know, we've got some good pieces back together to replace those that, that we've lost. So I think, yeah, you know, you would kind of argue that we're probably winners, especially where it looked like, you know, three or four weeks ago versus, you know, what we were looking like then, a, a potentially a Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert run team, you know, losing all our free agents. So, um, it's yeah, a, another positive outlook for us this season, off season, I think. And if you look at the rest of the division, you know, the, the Falcons traded away Matt Ryan and they're going with Marcus Mariota, which I don't think will be a horrendous choice for them. But, you know, we've, we've picked up Russell Gage from them. Calvin Ridley's obviously suspended. So they've kind of not really got any, you know, they re-signed Cordero Patterson, who was their their main outlet last year. But, you know, I, I, I don't think they're going to be much to worry about. Carolina, you know, who, who knows what's going on with them at quarterback. Um and then the Saints, you know, are going with Jameis again. They've signed Andy Dalton as insurance as well, but they've had to blow their roster up a little bit in terms of their salary cap issues. So, you know, considering we thought, oh, we're going to be in a, you know, a, a, a tricky division where none of them are particularly good. Actually, it probably looks good for us. Although we've got a tough schedule this year, it probably looks good for us top in the division. And, and then once you're in the playoffs, who knows what can happen? But the bigger thing for me, I think, is the fact that those free agents that we have re-signed, so Godwin, Davis, Fournette, you know, they've all re-signed on three-year contracts. So um, it's not the, you know, it's not like we've, we've only got them tied down for a year and then we're going to be in a worse position next year. Actually, you know, if Brady does retire or go to San Francisco or whatever at the end of this season, we're kind of set up to be in, in a lot better position for, for whoever comes into pl- replacing, be that Trask or, or somewhere else. And obviously the big news then is, is that Arians has retired, which all kind of came out of the blue. Um, it felt a little bit sudden and there's a lot of talk about Brady, you know, whether it was a, a Brady and him clash or, or something along those lines or whether it was health related, but kind of both of those rumours have been quashed. Um, and I guess it, it kind of does feel, you know, as a man who, who kind of succession is important to him, you know, he's stated that on a number of occasions and he's given opportunities to a lot of, you know, minority and, and female coaches, you know, in his time, not just at the Bucks, but at Arizona as well. I think, you know, that point about having people tied down for the next three years, having Brady back this season and knowing we, we should be a decent team, you know, it, it, it probably made sense to him to then hand the reins over to Todd Bowles. And I think it's good, you know, Todd Bowles has, has transformed our defence over the last two years. So I, th- I think teams were sniffing around him and, and, you know, we would lose him at the end of this season anyway, if we, you know, if we didn't make him a head coach at the end of this season. So, um yeah, it feels like a good, you know, it feels like it was a bit of a rushed decision and they're putting him straight into the Hall of Fame areas this year. Um, but it feels like, a, I think, a, a decent move. You know, it would be a shame to, you know, not see him in his Kangol hat chuffing on a cigar and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, what a, what a three years it was under him. I think you've pretty much nailed that as an overall summation of the Bucks. I think the Brady factor was huge. The way that the front office have worked signing people to long deals. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sick of uh, trying to predict what goes on with Brady, but you, you've got to imagine maybe at what, 45 is he now? I'm, I'm trying to think where we're even up to, but at 45 years old, you've got to imagine he won't be playing at 48, but what do I know? So yeah, getting people to three-year deals makes a lot of sense. Um, equally, the division around you, I think that's a, another perfectly fair call. And yeah, the Arians thing is a bit odd, isn't it? When when he was the head coach of the Cardinals, his 
then retirement, obviously a bit Brady-esque, um, didn't last an awfully long time, but his then retirement came out the blue. I think in the um, locker room speech after we beat the Seahawks that season, final game of the season, he said he didn't know he was going to retire until that final field goal went over. But um, but yeah, I think this feels a little different. If for no other reason that he's got a Lombardia, I think you know when you've then won a Super Bowl, you'd wonder if he was to come back again. Obviously, a few more years have passed. He was already an ageing coach, really. But but to come back after everything he's achieved seems so unlikely. Um, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, I would love to know um, what the reasons are. And, and the only thing that makes me think there must be something, PB, is just the timing. Every, everything else kind of marries up quite nicely, you know, with Bowles and with Leftwich and, and actually with the coaches, like I say, back to his his time that I followed so closely in Arizona. You, you did see that belief in, in progressing and developing um, coaches around him. But yeah, the timing is just the really odd one. Um, obviously not derailed any of the feel-good though, because you're absolutely right. Loads of great talent in, loads of reasonable length contracts for that talent. So even if Brady moves on, you, you can almost imagine being in a, a situation similar to the Colts maybe, where in a couple of years you are a win-now team who just needs a quarterback. And, and I know it's not quite as easy as I'm making it sound, but it, it certainly gives you a better chance, I think, for long-term success. And who knows, could get better yet. I mean, Gronkowski, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a bit of a formality that he would sign once Brady was back, and it's not quite been that. But yeah, you've got to feel there could be even more good news um, coming the way of Tampa Bay in the weeks ahead. Brady certainly is a bit of a lighthouse, isn't he? Um, you know, for NFL free agents, they they all seem to find their way to him. So um, yeah, another good year for Tampa Bay, no doubt at all. Um, JB, if we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as our first winner of free agency. Um, I hand over to you, sir. Who do you pick and why? So again, like my, my first choice, if, if PB hadn't got there was going to be the bucks because regardless of any other movements that you make, getting the greatest player of all time to come yeah. back and play for your team, you kind of got to give them, give them that one for it. Oh, um, huge. So I am going to look in a different conference. I'm going to look in the opposite direction of the compass and I'm going to look in division at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and I think as everyone will know from kind of the, the history of the podcast recently for a Steelers fan, I've been incredibly high on the Bengals um, obviously for, for personal reasons as well as kind of just, they've been a good team to watch, but obviously going into the Super Bowl, we talked about the biggest problem being that, Bengals offensive line and that was the thing I think really that contributed to their downfall in the Super Bowl it was the fact that they just couldn't match up and do what they need to do and give Joe Burrow the time to make a play and make a throw as we'd seen throughout the rest of the season so what have they done well they've gone and got Lyle Collins formerly of the Cowboys they've gone and got the aforementioned Alex Kappa from the from the Bucks and then they've got Ted Karras who spent five of his six seasons with the Patriots who aren't like, aren't a, a scrub team when it comes to offensive line performance. So I think they've rather than, than spending big like teams, like the Raiders who traded for um, Devante Adams or the Patriots who traded for Devante Parker or um, the Vikings who managed to say like uh, Zadarius Smith, rather than making a big splash play 
what they've done instead is look at, okay, where are the weaknesses in our team? Let's fix those. Let's not, which some teams do, let's not put strength on top of strength. Let's fix the weaknesses instead. And I think they've gone gone and done a really, really good job of that. So you can't you kind of have to look at this point saying, well, if the Bengals perform like they performed last year with a team that is now set up stronger than they were last year, you've got to think, well, the result will surely be better. And the only thing better is a Super Bowl. So I'm not saying all clear Super Bowl favourites, but if you look at the math individual on paper, weaknesses minus the you know strengths fixing weaknesses equals success so there we go i I think there's two big points to take away there i mean you'd i don't know maybe this is a bit of a bizarre one but but to kind of almost turn phil's previous point about the bucks on his head if the afc generally didn't feel so stacked at the top you'd feel a lot more maybe buoyant about the the Bengals. I think you're right. It's been a very long time since Cincinnati made what you could call considered kind of hires, you know, and, and bought in talent just to fix a couple of key areas. I'm I'm still a little worried about them defensively, but then you can say that about a lot of kind of offensive powerhouses. And, you know, if, if that form down the stretch is something that, you know, we can come to expect uh, as as the norm for Cincinnati, you know, much as we have with, with teams like Kansas City. It does feel like some really smart moves. And and Duke Tobin, who, who's brought these players in, deserves a bit of credit here because, you know, a couple of years ago, they were nowhere, weren't they? I mean, you you talked about the lengthy playoff drought. You you talked about the the squandered generation of talent that they'd had, kind of in the um, mid noughties and and you know those years between probably what two thousand seven to two thousand twelve. It, it just felt they were a long way away. And look at them now. I mean, compare this team to say, I mean, who was floundering? I suppose the Jets. You know, were another team that probably feel you know, they would need to take a massive step. You know, the Texans maybe. It shows how quickly it can turn around with a great young quarterback. And um, yeah, I love that. I think Lau Collins and uh, I I also think, you know, Alex Kappa, they're just absolutely plug and play upgrades, aren't they? I mean, you you can't imagine that that offensive unit being anything but better than they were this time last year. And I mean, I don't know what, what was. I'm trying to think. Joe Burrow was sacked what more than five times in the Super Bowl. You put Joe Burrow in big games with a bit more protection, it could be a recipe for long-term success with the Bengals. Mm. So yeah, I'm with you. You historically, and cue up the bread music if you want. You know, historically, you look at teams that have succeeded, and you look at that offensive line being the strength of it. And I'm thinking of the then Washington Redskins. And kind of the the success they had, like you know, uh, Joe Gibbs. We love the coach. Only only coach in history to win three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. And part of that was because of the the hogs up in front, kind of giving all the time to to guys like Joe Joe Thiesman, Joe Theismann, and Doug Williams, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and like Mark Rippon. Mark Rippon has a Super Bowl win in part because of offensive line play giving him the time he needed to just throw the bomb. And that was kind of, that was their move and and no one can stop you doing it. We look at the success the Cowboys had both in the nineties and kind of 
recently with their offensive line. You look like all of that kind of stuff powers what you do. So yeah, you, Bengals have spent the money where they need to while they can, while they're not having to pay Joe Burrow superstar quarterback money. Yeah, uh, I think that that absolutely sums up. It, it, it is a well-trodden path to success, but when you've got those other pieces, why not? Why not? I think that absolutely works. Um, so I'm going to roll around to my, I'm going to have to say a winner, but mine is a lot more simple and straightforward. Um, mine is the Indianapolis Colts who are a winner in a weird way for one very obvious reason and a couple of less obvious reasons. And, and I'll probably loop the Rams in, not that I want to do a two-in-one here, but, but there's kind of a, a similar tale to be told for me about both teams. So let's start with the obvious reason why the Indianapolis Colts have got better. They've just put Matty Ice at quarterback. And as much as we're talking about a guy who is probably past his league MVP peak, I think we said on the podcast only a couple of weeks ago, he's not far beyond it. You know, we've still got a guy who's demonstrating great arm strength, the ability to move the ball down the field, actually the ability to be creative even when plays break down. He was in a a limited kind of fledgling offense that felt like it was still finding its way last season. Um, And I think when you look at the Colts, post kind of Andrew Luck, they've been trying to fill that gap. And I thought the Philip Rivers move was kind of sensible in, in, a, in a number of ways. You know, this is a guy who, who has a proven track record, um, a really good, reliable quarterback, great locker room and team leader, somebody who could elevate the Colts. And for me, they probably got Philip Rivers, what, a year too late? And sadly, only four a year. Now, the Carson Wentz trade, I wasn't necessarily that down on it. Um, but it didn't work out. The the tail end of the season didn't go well. So how on earth can you not have the Indianapolis Colts as winners when they not only upgrade massively at quarterback by bringing Matt Ryan in, but they also manage to move an utterly ridiculous salary number from their roster by sending Carson Wentz to Washington to be the first quarterback of the newly named Commanders? I just think that is a super bit of business. And as much as we sometimes look at those teams that bring in a star player and, you know, Matt Ryan is definitely ticking that box for the Colts. You've also got to look at the way they've managed that cap number, getting rid of Wentz and all of those millions that he was due, I think is a stroke of genius. And the reason I mentioned the Rams is, I mean, I think we'll come to the Rams at some point on this pod, but I mean, to get the Robert Woods money off their wage bill, off that cap number by being able to find a suitor, even for a couple of lowly picks, but being able to find a suitor for Robert Woods is just another brilliant bit of business. And it's those people who are able to keep their squads um, talent rich through those types of moves. I think, you know, they're set up for really good levels of long-term success. The other thing with Matt Ryan that I feel, and I could be proved wrong, but I think Matt Ryan has probably got a few years left in him. I can imagine him playing for, say, the next three years. So it feels a slightly more permanent move than Rivers. It feels slightly more long-term. And rather than having to to think about rebuilding, having to think about what you might do with a a journeyman quarterback or building around a young quarterback, and, and look, you can have success with either of those at times, they get to basically stick with the plan with an upgrade for the most important position on the field. So yeah, Indianapolis Colts would be a big winner for me with just that move alone, frankly. 
I think the Wentz trade works out for, for both parties because I actually think he gives the commanders better um, quarterback play than the football team. Certainly the football team had last year with Fitzmagic, who only played a couple of games, and Henny. And more than the year before when they had, I can't even remember who they had the year before, Smith, Henny again. Alex Smith and Heineke, yeah. Um, Kyle Allen. Like, I, I think, mm. I know I've slated Wentz, but I think I don't think all of the Colts' problems were down to him last year. No. You know, they didn't lose in Jacksonville on the last game of the season just because of Carson Wentz. And at the same time, if if they'd won that, they'd have got the playoffs and it probably would look a, li- a little bit different. Yeah, I'm different story. Sure they would have traded him away. So, you know, it's one one game in essence has torpedoed that, albeit, you know, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So you don't know if anything's, you know, if it wasn't liked in the locker room or whatever, it, it all seems a little bit touchy. Um, so for me, yeah, I think, I think it's just one of those ones that works out for all parties. Matt Ryan is still, you know, still seemingly has it. He didn't have a great season with the Falcons, but as we've already said, the Falcons haven't really got any weapons. Yeah. Um, you know, they had no real running attack last year. The only, you know, run and and kind of great receiver performance they had was from Cordero Patterson that came from absolutely nowhere. nowhere, No, no, um, kind of real aptitude for that over his NFL career so far, apart from being an amazing returner. And then, mm. you know, that season just, just get pulled from nowhere. So I think Matt Ryan, you know, with the weapons that they've got there, one of the best running attacks in the league, I think that is probably going to be a trade that works out for, for, for them. Definitely. Yeah. I, I love the cult. I, I do agree with you. Wentz point. I think, you know, ultimately Washington, a bit like Jacksonville, a lot of people have been down on Jacksonville for paying, you know, people like Christian Kirk, such big money, and it, and it is too much money. But I think we've said it before, cap space doesn't win your games. You know, if you've got it, and maybe you're not a particularly fancy destination, pay the money, improve your roster. And I think, you know, Washington, Jacksonville, a couple of others who've maybe been slated for their moves have done exactly that. Um, it's an interesting point you mentioned about the running attack. Uh, I think... You know, we've seen with, you know, in the Falcons era with Matt Ryan, when they had that running attack, they were able to do some really exciting things. And and I, I, I don't know, maybe you could challenge me on this. There was a very good team, you know, in Atlanta when they made the Super Bowl. But I think this is probably one of the best, if not the best running attacks in the league and probably the best running attack Matt Ryan's ever played with. So, you know, you've got to keep people healthy. You've, you've got to avoid injuries like any team going into any season. But if they can do that, I think there's really good things ahead for Indianapolis. So part of what I disagree with in what you kind of said was that they they maybe got Philip Rivers a year too late and only for a year. And I kind of think, well, no, I think Philip Rivers was already the Philip Rivers that we saw like a year or two before that. I think I think some, if not all of it, was covered by the fact that the, the Chargers were just that that snake bit team, that injury prone team. And you kind of make excuses for the fact that I oh, will look what he's trying to do with what he's got around him. I think this almost feels like a mulligan for the Colts. I think them getting this version of Matt Ryan is what they were hoping they were going to get with Philip Rivers. I think this is a former league MVP who can still do exactly what you need a quarterback to do. He's very, obviously he's very much that, that prototypical pocket passer, but we have still seen him make some, some plays with his legs. He's not like with an apologies for potentially taking a shot at Phil's quarterback here, but it's not like that, 
uh, Eagles Patriots Super Bowl where they threw the ball to Brady and he was just too slow to catch the ball. Like the play was perfect, but Brady just didn't have it in him. You see Matt Ryan still got that, that oomph. He still got a bit of that fire to, to compete. And that Super Bowl loss is probably something that's driving him on. And, and yeah, I would kind of agree. This is probably the best team and the best organizational setup he's had to succeed since that team. The, the Falcons, are doing something they're they're kind of getting rid of everybody i'm assuming to try and start again from scratch but it's absolutely from scratch if you're putting all of your your eggs in the the cordero patterson basket of being able to replicate what he did last season that's a big gamble to make like don't get me wrong it was an incredible performance but but kind of like phil said there's been absolutely nothing that we have seen from him outside of his, I was drafted in the first round pedigree to suggest he can do anything like this again. So it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for them. I, th- I think I, I would feel, I, I don't lack confidence in Patterson. I just think the problem is a bit like the challenge in Green Bay, although it's a very different situation. Who's around him? You know, it, it just feels like the supporting cast is just pretty much non-existent. But yeah, it sounds like we're all um, good on the Indianapolis Colts. So before we get to the losers of free agency, are there any other honourable mentions that you'd like to throw out as a winner, PB? Coming to you next. Any other winners for free agency, please? Chargers, maybe. I think the Chargers have done really well. You know, some big additions on the defensive side of the ball in particular, you know, Khalil Mack, I'm thinking of guys like that. Um, and I also think I just had one and this completely slipped out of my mind. Uh, the, the Raiders, I think, yeah, picking up Devontae Adams, you know, arguably the best receiver in the league at the moment. Paul, um, they've, they've paid him as if he's definitely the best receiver well, in the league. I mean, <laughs> well, exactly, they are all exactly. in on Devontae Adams, aren't they? It's a strange one, though, isn't it? Because he's Green Bay let him go the way, um, is it Guten Kutst or however you pronounce yeah. his surname, the GM? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of insinuated that they let him, they traded him. They let him go because he wanted to move closer to home in Vegas and all that. But then you normally would get a hometown discount, right? Or give a hometown discount if you're going to a team, uh, you know, where you want to be there, but it, it doesn't yeah. really feel like he's done that. So that could cost them, you know, further down the line when he's a little bit older. But um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a win for them. It gives them a threat that, that they, you know, they had some good receiving threats. They got one of the better tight ends in Darren Waller, you know, who's yeah. a really good receiver. But I think, you know, Adams is a different proposition for them. Uh, I love both picks. I think with the Chargers, you look at whether it, I mean, JC Jackson is just a brilliant pickup. Whoever he'd have gone to, he'd have made a secondary better. But I like the pickup of Khalil Mack, particularly as just a member of the supporting cast. You know, this is a guy who will be playing with Joey Bosa rather than being the, the number one man himself. So I think the Chargers definitely got better. The only thing that worries me about the Raiders, and it is the only thing that worries me, is they've really paid you know, the big names, really big money. So not only have you got Adams who, you know, has the stats to suggest he probably is, if not the best wide receiver in football, one of the top three. So I don't mind that kind of money. The Chandler Jones money feels a big, a big amount of money. And and I mean, Chandler Jones has still got years ahead of him, still only in his early thirties. We've seen pass rushers, you know, stay effective for far longer than that. 
but certainly a bit like Buffalo have done, you know, by paying, you know, their, their big name players and bringing in big name free agents. It feels like it's the kind of money that they're relying on Chandler Jones being a big name. Um, yeah, I think you could probably tick both boxes. The Raiders have spent the money. The Chargers, I think, have been a little more wily, creating kind of a Rams 2.0, um, you know, in that stadium in L.A. Um, yeah, I'll take those as two winners. JB, honourable mentions from you, please. No, let's let's get to the good bit. Oh, okay. Shall I do a couple of honourable mentions? I think the Denver yep. Broncos get better because they've got Russell Wilson. Um, I think whatever you have to pay, that is a massive upgrade. Um is there anyone else I'd want to mention as an honourable honourable mention? Dolphins got to be. Come to think of it, Tyreek Hill. I think that's a good pickup for them. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, another receiver who's been paid as if he's the best receiver in football, but uh, I think he's there or thereabouts. Um, it's a big splash for the Dolphins, and I like that from a first-year head coach. You know, I certainly like it because I think it gives Tua a number of big opportunities. And you know, what? I'll mention them only quickly. The Tennessee Titans. For the same reason I mentioned the Rams, they've got an awful lot of money off their cap and they've added, you know, they've paid a lot of money for the likes of Robert Woods. But again, it's a player that makes them better. And I never mind a team spending the cap space they've got if it's the type of talent that could really improve what they can do on the football field. So the Titans for a couple of uh, kind of beneath the radar moves. I think have kept themselves relevant in a division where I think the Colts will be strong. I think that was important. Um, so go on then, JB. Uh, the loser of free agency for you, you can go first as you've uh, led us to this point. Uh, I believe it is the fighting pride of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think wow. the Packers, because you have to balance up what you have won versus what you have lost and what they have won is retaining the services of Aaron Rodgers, uh, undoubtedly one of the best players of his position at all t- of, of all time. However, you look down the list of people that they've kind of said goodbye to, and that includes Devonte Adams, Equiminius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez Scantling, who were essentially their top three wide receivers for what two three seasons really and you you don't see a lot of teams have a great amount of success replacing their their top three wide receivers a season after you have the argument of oh well you know can Aaron Rodgers make everybody look good maybe but at the same time Aaron Rodgers has always had Devontae Adams and he's kind of campaigned for for better wide receivers like you know how many times have we heard the news story of Aaron Rodgers is upset with the Packers after the draft because they didn't give him any weapons what they've now done is they've basically said hey Aaron congratulations here's a lot of money oh FYI you know how you wanted us to draft receivers we've got rid of receivers but it also goes a little bit deeper than that because they've also lost um Zadaria Smith, who I kind of mentioned earlier, who was a really, really good piece on their defense. I don't want to say like a revelation, but really, really contributed exactly when they need to. And it's difficult to replace players like that as well. The draft is coming up, but you can't replace everything you need in the draft here if we're looking at what what the Packers have 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 gaps for. And with the Vikings getting stronger as a team, but still retaining Kirk Cousins for reasons. And 
a Lions team that in theory you've got to think have to be better this year, maybe. Um, it, it kind of opens it a lot. And kind of the Bears with with Justin Fields now as starter and, and kind of a new head coach and a new motivation behind the team. You've got to kind of think, well, everyone's got at least a little bit stronger around us. Have we got stronger? Have we stayed static or have we actually got a little bit worse? And that's kind of why I circle back to them. I think honorable mention probably be to the uh, the Broncos. I think giving up all of that for Russell Wilson, it's not gonna not gonna get them anywhere. You were absolutely tied to the Broncos, but I mean they made an honorable mention for good reason. I mean, tell me who they lost that was better than Russell Wilson. I, I think that is a phenomenal bit of business. I'm, I am with you with Green Bay. Um, I think it sounds like Rogers signed for the big money knowing that Adams was probably on his way out. I am surprised that other receivers have gone. But equally, I think when you've got Jones, I mean, uh, Randall Cobb on the, the roster feels feels bizarre to me. It, it feels like there is still hope. You know, if if they were to be able to pick up one of the, you know, good receivers in the draft, Maybe they're only a receiver away. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a room that needs work. I'm not Question convinced. Got asked, you know, on on the, I don't know if you know this about Green Bay, but you can ask the GM. I think I think it's a weekly segment or something on mm. their website or something like that. Obviously, being a fan-owned team, it's yeah entirely yeah. unique to them. And, and somebody asked, you know, literally made the point: you've traded away all our receivers. You know what? You know what's the plan? What are you thinking? And he kind of suggested i think they've got four picks in the first two rounds mm. which they can you know you can pick up good receivers in the draft or there are still you know veterans available on the market or there are people available for trade so he kind yeah. of intimated that they're going to do some business but i don't you know i think Devonte park is a massive loss i'm not sure about st brown and valdez scantling you know i i don't know how De- Devontae you know, Adams rather than Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Sorry, Parker Devontae was a loss Adams, yeah. for the, the Dolphins. But otherwise, yeah, yeah I, think, I think your point holds water. I mean, the the only thing I would say is, and I, I, I do get it because losing receiver two and receiver three feels like it only compounds the problem. But if, if Devontae Adams was going, he's not easy to replace, is he? I mean, as a, as a one-for-one receiver, and once you've paid Rodgers all that money, I still think they're the best team in that division. And I think, uh, to your point, Phil, with one or two recruits, I think they are comfortably the best team in that division. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny because you you look beyond Tom Brady and you can kind of see some green shoots for Tampa Bay with the type of business they've done. You take Rogers out of Green Bay. And I think that's very different. It, yeah, it feels like two very different sets of circumstances all of a sudden. A fair shout. A fair shout, the Green Bay Packers. To be fair, it, it makes the Jordan Love pick even more strange, doesn't it? Two years yeah. on or whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, if, if Rodgers was going to... St- unless they genuinely thought Rodgers was going to either hang them up or force a trade or something like that. But then... So then why don't they shop him? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they 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 want him as an insurance blanket in case Rodgers does decide one off-season to just go, but it's odd. I th- I think... The Green Bay Packers should know Aaron Rodgers better than anybody else on the planet does. And I think those same Green Bay Packers would think you can't 
predict anything that Aaron Rodgers is going to do to, to borrow a, I think it's a rowdy Roddy Piper line. Just when you think, you know, the answers, Aaron Rodgers changes the questions. And like, this is a guy we have seen like motivate himself through what have at times felt like the absolute pettiest of reasons. Yeah. And like one thing we've talked about with Brady, haven't we? Like since the very beginning, well, like when he was drafted as late as he was, he's used that as a chip on his shoulder to motivate himself forward. So I think having a quarterback that does that is kind of, it's no surprise to a degree. It's what everybody would want, but yeah, I think it does create kind of an unpredictability where the Packers did kind of think, well, we were lucky because it is ultimately it was luck. We were lucky in the fact that we managed to go from hall of fame quarterback Brett Favre to Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The chances of you then being able to go to Hall of Fame quarterback enter name here has is gotta be like even Phil wouldn't wouldn't bet on odds and that on the length of the national anthem. So you, you're you, you've got to right, take a chance. I, I think you're right that it is run like a franchise that does not quite realize. I mean, not only are we talking Hall of Fame Brett Favre to Hall of Fame Aaron Rodgers. You know, for a lot of armchair fans, they'd probably have both of those quarterbacks in the top five all time. You know, they're they're right at the top of the tree. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I fear a bit for Green Bay. Um, the unpredictability of Rogers. I mean, nothing is impossible. But then equally, uh, I'll go back to my previous point. I think there are a couple of signings away from things looking a bit brighter. The only thing that feels a bit odd, and I'm largely on board with Phil's point, but you feel like any you know, any rookie you bring in, and it's the old cliche, isn't it? It takes a while for the game to slow down for them. And I think if you imagine your receiver one and receiver two are both rookies, it feels an odd situation to be in when Aaron Rodgers certainly isn't getting any younger. Um, but yeah, go on then. Yeah, I think Green Bay is a fair shout. I'm not arguing overall. PB, loser of free agency for me, please. And there's still quite a few on the board. Who are you going to go for? I think probably the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they're in one of the toughest divisions. You could probably pick the three other teams in that division as playoff teams. I think they all, they all were last year, you know, so one of them, well, two of them went to the uh, NFC title game. One of them won the Super Bowl. you know, yeah. that's a tricky division. And maybe that that's played part of, you know, maybe they're playing the long game and that's played part of their thinking, but you know, they've lost their quarterback and not replaced him. You know, I think they pick up Drew Locke in the trade, I can't see yeah. Drew Locke being their starting quarterback, but you never know, I suppose. Um, uh, they let go. Who am I thinking of that they let go? They let well, Bobby Wagner. They let go. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of some big, big names for them that are still high performers. They haven't got an amazing running attack. You know, all those years with Beast Mode. You know, they had Rashad Penny and uh, and a couple of other guys last year. Name name escapes yeah. me. You know, it, it just feels like DK Metcalf aside. You know, Jamal Adams, they made a big splash for, and I don't think he's probably had the impact that they hoped he would, you know. So I think DK Metcalf aside, there's not a great deal on that roster, you know, that are, you would say a top 10 even at their position. Um, and they've not really done anything. You know, I can't think of any major signings that they've made. I can't think, you know, aside from the, the trade of Wilson out, I can't think of any, you know, real acquisitions they've made that way. So I just think it's, they're kind of blowing it up and and maybe their long game is that the division's so tough at the minute that those three teams will eventually wane off in five years or whatever. And that'll be their time to strike, you know, retool for them. But I think that's 
it'd be odd thinking to do that. So yeah, they're a, a loser for me. Yeah, I've no argument. I, th- I think you're spot on. I I don't get it. The the Bobby Wagner thing particularly, I don't get because if you if you want to go younger in key personnel groups, I kind of get that. You know, every every team has to you know potentially blow it up and start again at certain points. But it's like you say, it feels like a team built around scheme rather than talent. You know, you're talking about DK Metcalf. I'm I'm still not sure quite how good he is. I mean, he he flashes, but then he also disappears, you know, for for game after game after game with, with no real significant. And I think he's got all the attributes. I mean, he's, you know, he's like 100 feet tall, you know, and, and absolutely muscle built from head to toe. I mean, I, I think he could be an absolute star of the league still. I'm not ready to count him out, but yeah, it feels flat, doesn't it? It feels a bit defeatist. It feels like a season to take stock. I mean, again, I suppose you could argue, who do you replace when you lose Russell Wilson? A bit like we were talking about with who do you replace once you lose Adams in Green Bay. You know, there aren't many of those types of calibre of player about, but there's there's just so many things here. And, and, you know, the Bobby Wagner release just makes no sense. If he's not at his peak, he's nowhere near far enough away from his peak to think he's the kind of talent you could just let walk. Uh, I think, um, you know, honourable mention, we didn't really mention the Rams, so I think have worked absolute wonders with their cap space. But Bobby Wagner makes their team better. Letting him walk surely makes the Seahawks worse. Yeah, I've got no argument at all, I don't think. Um, is is there a, even a, a shaft of of light? Uh, you know, any positive signs for Seattle? JB, can we think of any? Drew Locke certainly isn't one. Um, no offense, He's a reasonable player at tight end. If you need a tight end, I suppose. I don't know anything, JB. Um, uh, yeah, I think so because ultimately we have to remember that while there are two eyes in Mr. Unlimited, there is no eye in team. So therefore you can take one piece out and the team remains, especially when that glorious team of Pete Carroll and Don and John Schneider have, have <laughs> put a team together previously, unlike any that we have ever seen. Um, as I desperately cling to what I feel was an overconfident and ill-considered bread-based wager. Um, Oh yeah, you're still back in your argument, aren't you? Okay. I yeah. I you you have to always think there is light. There's a light in the darkness for every team because with parity as as close as it can be to a thing in the NFL, you are always only a year or two away from from getting better. And the reasons that we know this are because the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. And what, two, two, three years later, they're one of the best teams in the league. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were, I don't want to say an absolute joke, but they won in serious consideration for for a dynasty team. And then they got Tom Brady to come over in, in free agency. We have already talked about the fact that we thought Zach Taylor was an absolute jobber who had got his job through witchcraft and sorcery. And that was kind of proved wrong by actually, you know what, give him actual players and he's pretty good. So you have to look and think with the history that the Seahawks have got on that coaching staff that they, they make some, some smart decisions in the draft and, and there's hope and and promise in within that. I, I love the fact that your main argument 
um, that the Seahawks could still be good isn't really to do with the Seahawks. It's that we're terrible predictors and ultimately people just shouldn't listen to what any of us say. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the, that, that the could important, happen. the important thing to consider is that no matter what happens with the Seahawks, they won't be the worst team in the league because the New York giants are still going to be playing every week. Oh, there is a fair point in there, actually, that you look at a team like the Texans last year who put together a number of wins. And actually, you know, when they had their starting quarterback in Terod Taylor available, actually were, were competitive most of the time. And you've got to say the Texans felt like they had a, a bigger hole to dig themselves out of than the Seahawks. I just think in that division, it, it speaks to how ambitious you, you might be or how competitive you might be. But okay, um, and I'll round us out. The final mention on the podcast is going to be my loser for free agency. And I can't believe this one is still left on the table for me. The Atlanta Falcons. Goodness me, gentlemen. So Deshaun Watson is um, about to sign. It, it's imminent. It's one of the worst kept secrets in sport that the deal has pretty much been done. Before we get onto Instagram stories with Falcon jerseys in the background, we'll just live in a world where we believe that's going to happen. There are other players on that team who share the same agent, who are tweeting things that are immediately deleted. All of the breadcrumbs you look for seem to point for the fact they were going to have an absolutely generational talent, whatever you might think of what goes on around him, in Deshaun Watson lining up in the black and white. Then, not only do they lose Deshaun Watson, they lose the kind of glow that Watson would have bought. So the rumours were that um, AJ Green was about to sign. Actually, you mentioned playoff Lenny, didn't you? Leonard Fournette was supposedly on the verge of, of going to the Falcons. And all of a sudden, not only have you lost any kind of... I don't know, propelling force or any kind of improvement under centre that you might have been able to achieve by nabbing Watson. You lose all of those pieces that would have fallen into place after him. And to be honest, to go from that to within a couple of days, basically screaming from the hills that you are in a rebuild mode, I think is massively problematic. And the reason I think it's massively problematic is to do with the players that remain. And, and I suppose the comparison piece for me is the Dolphins a few years ago when everybody knew the Dolphins were happy to trade away their talent for picks in order to rebuild the following year. And you've got to think, what does that do to the players that remain? And I don't know. Maybe they will prove me wrong. I'm with you, Phil. I don't think they've necessarily done the worst business at quarterback, but equally it's just, it's just a lost season, isn't it? You know, yes, they'll have picks in a couple of years that give them the opportunity to get better, but I mean, there's three or four teams we've mentioned who are in that mold and, and are the Falcons the best set up even of those? I mean, at least the Seahawks get a, a load of picks for Russell Wilson. You know, the price that was paid to get Matt Ryan into Indianapolis seems ridiculously cheap in terms of the draft picks offered in exchange. I just think the Falcons are in real trouble. Um, Ridley being suspended is a problem. Gage going is an even bigger problem. And the fact that, yes, there are still players left in free agency. They could still get an AJ Green, I suppose. Julio Jones doesn't feel likely, does it? But these feel like complementary pieces, you know, experienced veterans who you could plug in. 
you know, I don't think AJ Green is still a wide receiver one. I don't think Julio Jones will play more than six games wherever he ends up. It just feels like the Falcons were all in and then all of a sudden were left with nothing. You know, it, it feels like the plot of a whodunit and the Falcons, you know, are, are left really with no other choice than to blow up what felt for a moment, for a, a brief glimmer, looked like they could be in a position to be instant contenders. I can't, I, yeah, I kind of have... No, go on, Phil. I was going to say, instant contenders is a little bit of a stretch. Like, even if they got Watson, I don't think, you know, they, they've not really got any receivers or running games. So I I think, you know, Carl Pitts is arguably a... Well, he's a prospect, isn't he? He didn't... He didn't kind of pull up any trees or anything last season. Did he score yeah, but, one touchdown or maybe more? Of it? I don't know. Cole, Cole Pitts did all right. I mean, I think he was the second best rookie tight end. In, I mean, he ended up ending ending the season hotter yeah. than he started. But I mean, I think if you take Pitts, if you add in AJ Green, if you bring in Leonard Fournette, I mean, I think the pieces that were coming with Watson would have transformed them. Where I actually, um, I'm not sure really where they are now um you know are they in a bridge phase i I just don't know nothing really seems to suggest they have much of a i don't know do they have any hope going into this season at all i kind of did this with the last couple is the hope for the falcons they'll be bottom of the division and i don't know what you know what that looks like in the the conference but i could see them being a top three pick next year yeah yeah, I just I just don't get it. I think if you if you really want Deshaun Watson that bad, you don't let the guy leave the building. Um who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson will not be the player we think when he returns from that lengthy um hiatus from the league, and maybe the Falcons will be counting their lucky stars, but it, it doesn't feel that way now. JB go on, some some relief other than the fact they're gonna be better than the Giants, you think? Some relief for Falcons fans. Um, I mean, they're having free agency problems and I feel bad for them, son. They've, they've got 99 problems, but thankfully 22 of them aren't connected to the quarterback they potentially traded for. Um, I think, I think that's, I think that's the best way that we can put that. Um, modern day poet, modern day poet, JB. Yeah. JB and Jay-Z. Um, it's an embarrassment. They're very different lives, those two people. Don't they? I don't think they get compared very often, JP and Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah. One, one of them's incredibly successful with a beautiful superstar wife, and the other one is um, on this podcast. Um, it's, it's an embarrassment. It kind of has to be summed up as an embarrassment for Falcons fans. And like, if, if you'd have said to Falcons fans, don't worry, okay, with all of your 28-3 stuff, don't worry, right? Give it a bit of time, and eventually people will have moved on from that because they'll be talking about this instead because they absolutely mortgaged not just not just their perceived future, but every bit of credibility they had with their, and I'm going to say this again because we talked about them earlier, MVP quarterback, franchise quarterback, to get a guy who you don't know, if is he going to play this year? Is he going to play next year? Like any and all of this. And it is that kind of thing. When you when you make a bold move like this, you have to pull it off. And now all they've done is essentially like they've they've got rid of I mean, they got rid of Julio Jones last year, they got rid of Matt Ryan, 
Calvin Ridley's out for the year with with at least a year with the suspension. And even before then, there was talk of getting rid of Calvin Ridley. And at the time, I kind of said, who who are they throwing the ball to? Who's throwing the ball? Who are they throwing it to? What are they doing? And yes, we've, we've talked about like the success Arthur Smith had with a bang average quarterback in Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. But that was because they had a running back like Derek Henry to do that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, Aldrin, our our standard draft expert, is not here with us today. But even without his confident knowledge, I feel secure in the fact that there isn't a Derek Henry in this draft or next year. So, like, like we're talking about, like the the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson. I have more faith, and this is completely legitimate. Not buying into a bit, I have more faith in the Seahawks being able to do anything this season than I have the Falcons. The Falcons look like an absolute dead last team. Sorry, I, Falcons I, I, fans. I kind of agree they could be better than the Seahawks. I mean, I like Marcus Mariota. I think he was a bit unlucky with how it ended in Tennessee. I think he looked good when he, you know, came in. It was a very small sample size, wasn't it? I think that Monday night football with the Raiders jumps out at me, but I don't know. I'd, uh, the only thing I fear for Mariota, like I would fear for most quarterbacks going into that situation. I mean, a Carson Wentz, you'd be fearful of in that. You know, who, who of the quarterbacks who were in that, you know, deserving of a second chance type quarterback, shown flashes as starters, who do you feel could turn around a team like the Falcons? I'm not sure there are many, if any. Um, but gentlemen, there you go. Um, there was some delight for some fan bases, some pain felt by others. But I think bringing the main bulk of free agency to a close with our winners and losers show, you did a stunning job. The next time we will be together, date to be confirmed due to, well, bulgening social lives that we all seem to have during the off-season. Um We'll be talking about the draft and building up to the absolutely standout offensive, defensive, and hmm, occasionally even special teams prospects rolling in this year. Um, but thank you for your company, gents. Stunning job. Amazing high-level content. Let's get back together in a little over a week and do it all again. Just a note to say there are only three of us this week because Aldrin gets married on Thursday, the 7th of April. So congratulations. It feels very personal detail to share in a public forum, but as we've done it, let's do it. Congratulations, Aldrin. Let's hope you listen and have a wonderful day. JB, JB, no comment? No. Yay. Yay, weddings. We are genuinely thrilled for him. Um, Nice. Yeah, have an amazing time, gentlemen. Hopefully we will be a quartet by the time we're back together celebrating that good news and plenty more. Um, But yeah, thanks for your company, gentlemen. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Rob. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. The game is over!